Finally, a talk show that helps you defeat mediocre Christianity and walk in genuine friendship with God. Coach and Joe starts right now. Welcome to Coach and Joe. That's what I uh, often hear Coach say <laughs> as he starts these things off. Obviously, uh, I'm uh, not Coach. Uh, I'm Andy, and this is my son, Caleb. And uh, many of you don't know him. This is his first appearance on Coach and Joe. But it's a, it's a good time for it. Um, and I'll tell you why in a second. We've also got the very well-known Michael Thornton. Hey, everyone. Very excited um, about our conversation today because I want to talk today about what does it mean to be a real man. Mm. And um, actually, that's why I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt. <laughs> Because I realized that the, uh, the, the two men that I'm sat today on the sofa with carry a level of something that I'm not there yet. Um, I know I can remember training hard before I left England. Mm. I remember my son coming and saying, come on, dad, let's do some strength training. And then gradually watching this shift happen. Mm. So um, I want to I really kick off with what, what does it mean to be a real man? Um, and often Whoa. it's, my, my, mine are hidden right now, but, um, shows the guns, Caleb. Whoa, come on. Glory. That's good. Come on, Caleb. And, and Michael's the same. Yeah. Been working hard. <laughs> I, Michael's here 5.30 in the morning. 5.30 a.m. workouts. Yeah. Um, we were just joking before the show. We were saying, what, is it, what does it look like to be a real man? And I looked at Caleb. I said, I think you have to do 20 pull-ups to be a real man. <laughs> and I told on that scale, I, I would definitely be a girl because mm. I can't do 20 pull-ups. Me too. You got to be a real man to do 20 pull-ups. That's hard. That's hard. Pull-ups are or, hard. Or you can yeah. be really light. Okay, I was, yeah, a, that's true. I was in the Marine Corps and literally we had a pull-up test for our physical fitness test. And 20, if you got 20 pull-ups, that was like 100. But you had to do a minimum of five. I think the best I ever did was like seven. I mean, seven. I, I, pull-ups are always hard, but uh, there are some guys that did a lot. They did like 20 and plus. Yeah. That's a real man. He's got a lot of leg and bones and stuff to pull up. Well, I have a disclaimer for me and you because we're long. Yeah. And I've learned that that's, we're disqualified. we got to pull. You got to pull, pull all the way up because you got long arms. I don't know. Guys that are good at pull-ups have the short arms. Mm. There's, a, there's a technique to it as well. I've, I've noticed Mike Jones doing this. There's, there's this. It's this CrossFit thing where you almost set up this swing. Yes. Um, and I've never been able to suss that thing out. Mm. Um, I just kind of hang there. Looking <laughs> silly. Have you seen the muscle ups where they do like, they pull up and then go into a dip? Oh, yeah. Those are like yeah. next level hard. I, I can't even. You, have you trained at Mike Jones's backyard? I, I have been to Mike Jones' backyard several yeah. times. It is, it, is a, it is a Sparta type place. I mean, the, the, here again, he's got one of those climbing walls, you know, military style climbing walls. I cannot get up that thing. Like, you know, I, I am that proper little, give me, a, give me a foot up, and then I could just about reach the top. Whereas yes. he's almost over it. He's, he's six foot four. How tall are you? Six one. Yeah. Six one. So that, that definitely helps. Was, My, Mike Jones is a man. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. In that backyard, so I was in the Marine Corps, and so Mike was like in the Marine Corps for a long time, and so when I go to his backyard, I am like, I have PTSD of, of <laughs> obstacle course at Paris Island boot camp training. Yeah. I mean, so the Marine Corps, you know, you have been an adult for six weeks. Yeah. You turned 18 officially. six weeks ago, officially. Not if I was a Jew. Okay. That's true. Yeah, you'd have transitioned much earlier. Yeah. Call people up into properly what it means to be an adult earlier there. 
yeah, something we should learn from that. But what is what are some of the things? I and mean, if you would think back to the Marine Corps for a minute, mm. what would they be saying? This is what it is to be a real man. Because I would guess a lot of people look at Marine Corps and think, "Wow, that's a real man." Okay. So from what I remember being in the Marine Corps, what was classified, I guess, as a real man would, um, would definitely be someone who was physically fit. Mm. So physical appearance was huge in the Marine Corps. I mean, we, we took tests on it, training on it, and your promotion and rank actually depended on how well you would do on a physical fitness test. So there was a lot of emphasis about your physical appearance. So that was definitely a marker that would classify you as being a real man and a Marine. Um, something else that would be, um, for the Marines would be uh, self-sacrifice. They, they, they drill that into you about sacrificing your life for your fellow brother. If you're ever in a combat situation, that your brother is the person that you got to trust your life with and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So there was, a, there was a large emphasis on self-sacrifice, um, duty to others. Mm-hmm. Um, and then believe it or not, the third one that I remember they drilled in us the most was actually faith. They wanted us to be men of faith. The Marines want us to be men of faith. What does that look like? Uh, for me, that definitely looked like having a personal relationship with Jesus, personal relationship with God, um, living by faith. For a lot of other Marines, that could have looked a lot different, but that's what it looked like for me. Wow. I was watching uh, Captain America the other day, mm. and um, you know he's, he's this puny little guy who, who can't get in to start with yeah. before they do the, the, the injection in him. But he was chosen because he dived on the grenade when everyone else ran away from mm. it, which, yes. is, which is that bit that you're Good talking movie. about there. Caleb, what, what about you? So, you know, I know you've transitioned from England to this culture here. You've been in an American high school. What is it, what is it that you're seeing? And by the way, we're, we're talking about men here today, but women, if you're watching, this is not the time to tune out because your sons are thinking about these things. Mm. Um, Your husband is trying to work out who he is, what's he about. So um, as you are thinking through um, what's in the mindset of a man, these are some of the things that that we're wanting to just dig out a little bit today and talk about because God is doing a work amongst the men here. Mm. Um, So so for you, Caleb, around that transition where you're just coming into being 18, you've turned 18, what, what are some of the issues going on? What are the things that your peers are thinking about? That makes them a man. Um, probably how they compare to other people. Um, how many girls you can get. How many, I guess it's like the mm-hmm. physical fitness. It's yeah. like, how am I better than other people? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I've done that too. Yeah. So there's something, I mean, you can train for physical fitness and be honoring God with your body. You can also train because you want to have the ripped six six pack, come out of the blue ocean and shave with Gillette, you know, (laughs) as you come out or, or grow a beard because that's the other thing to do at the moment. Pretty manly. Can't do that yet. (laughs) Yes. There's men waiting to step into, I've got a full beard. I finally made it. (laughs) Your favorite movie? Braveheart. Yeah. Easy. William Wallace. Why? He's, he's just cool. Like the, the speech, he's a leader. He's got the sword. He's got the fighting moves. Mm. It's everything. It's everything. Classic. There is something about that, um, you know, the, the, the desire of a man to be that leader, to mm. be respected, to be honored. Um, 
I, I think I've told you this, Mike, before, because you love to look through genealogies and things. Our, our descendants took over from William Wallace. Wow. That's incredible. So there's, there's something of that rampant warrior that's in this blood right here, that, that Scottish blood. It carries over. We, we want to release that cry, freedom. Freedom. It's in, yeah. your, it's in your DNA. It's in my DNA. I, um, on that same note, I, I, we discovered that uh, William Wilberforce was connected to our family. William Wilberforce, who, who broke the slave trade in, in England in Parliament. Mm. I mean, that, there's, there's something about that leadership, kind mm. of being at the top, thinking, how do I influence, whether it's to infiltrate and break down the, the English and the, the oppression that's there, yeah. um, or whether it's, you know, like Wilberforce did, dismantling the whole slave trade mm. um, and all of the oppression that, that came from that. There's something in a man of, of wanting to ch- achieve something of significance. Yes. Um, and I just want to think back to the garden for a minute. So, you know, there, there is the first Adam created, uh, created in the likeness of God, um, and, and designed for all of this fruitfulness, designed to 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 interact, to be creative, to be um, significant, to be deeply loved, to to craft and and mold and mm. co-labor with God in a place um, that is, that is built into us as men in the first place. So what what is it that went wrong? What because I there's a there's a lot of men who are still struggling. Like what is my identity? I'm, they're wrestling with how do I do that today? Yeah. What went wrong? For Adam, what went wrong for men? So I think in the, in the garden, what one of the things that we've been talking, especially here in this community, that God's been progressively revealing as one of the things where Adam made a mistake and went wrong was that he really never took his authority as a man, as a husband, basically to Eve um, when when she ate the apple. He had a chance to stop her. He had a chance to intervene, to speak truth, to make a to draw a line, to make a decision. Um, because he also knew that he wasn't supposed to touch that fruit. Um, and he failed to do that. He failed to act on that. And as we know, the scripture, um, God doesn't come after Eve. He comes after Adam because ultimately the authority uh, was given to Adam and the responsibility there was given to Adam to steward Eve, to steward the garden. And he failed that responsibility. It talks about that in Ephesians about um, the man being the head um, of the wife. Mm. Um, as Christ is the head of the church. Yes. Um, and I know for, for generations, there's, that can almost be seen as oppressive of women, um, mm. that they become second class, that they, their, their opinions, their rights don't count as much, things like that. And that's yeah. a, again, it's part of this broken, skewed view of headship because that same passage is talking about as Christ is the head of the church. What did Christ do for the church? Mm. What does it look like to be head um, in a situation like that? Do, talk about that for a minute, Mike. Yeah. So um, we were talking about earlier that, so scripture says, Paul says in Romans that there's the, there's the first Adam who we just talked about, failed his responsibility, but then Jesus came as the second Adam. And Jesus fulfilled what Adam couldn't. So Christ is head of the church. He stepped into his authority. What does it look like? One of the scriptures that bursts in my heart is from Revelation chapter one, where it says, um, I am uh, the Alpha and Omega. I was once dead, but now I'm alive. I hold the keys to death, hell, and the grave forevermore. 
I believe those are the keys of authority that Adam had in the garden, but because of his failure um, to take his authority and to steward that authority properly, he released it to the enemy. He released it to the devil, to Satan. And so Jesus is the fulfillment of Adam because he did what Adam couldn't. And so Jesus takes his authority, takes those keys back from death, hell, and the grave. Mm. And I think that's a picture for us. He models to us what stepping into authority looks like as men, as fathers, as leaders, it really has this picture of being a spiritual priest in our homes. Mm. I mean, if, if I was just to talk for me for a second and some of mm. my failures, um, I have been married for 22 years. I, um, my, I'm married to an incredible woman who is a, uh, is a powerful woman of God. She, she is, um, She's very prophetic. She's a great speaker. She, um, and, and there was this little lie that I began to believe that, you know, maybe I'm the one who's supposed to follow her around and, and, and kind of help elevate her platform, help her have a voice out, you know, mm-hmm. um, across the nation in the UK. And um, I remember Chad in England sat around our dining room table with us one day, said, Andy, there's, a, there's this little demonic worm that's whispering to you that's telling you and, and minimizing who you are. And that is not who you are. Wow. And, and a, a, in a very challenging, but, um, but powerful and loving way, he said to me, get bigger. Mm. Get bigger. Just because you're big does not mean you shrink back. Actually, you need to get bigger. You need to step into a role of leadership even more mm. um, because it's not about her getting smaller. It's about you being big enough to to shield her, to comfort her, to uh, to be one who is a safe place for her. Yeah. And and I think for lots of men, it's hard for us to work out how do we do that. Um, you know, we the, there can be this thing of shrinking back. I'm not William Wallace. I'm not at the I'm not at the core shouting for freedom. I'm the little guy on the corner carrying a spear who's, who's a little bit scared right now because I can see this massive army in front of me. Yes. Um, and there's that courage piece. Caleb, what does it look like to, to get courage and to start to step into? Because I've seen you do this. Mm-hmm. I've seen you come from a group of friends who influenced you. Why, why are you now leading? Why are you not just kind of one of the gang who's being influenced? I think about the um, story of the talents. And so God gave people different amounts. So there's the William Wallace who's got the five talents. But then there's, there's the people with, you know, three or however many. I can't remember the story. Mm-hmm. Great. But there's something about giving all of what you've got, mm-hmm. even if that's, you know, even if the only people you're leading are your wife and kids, doing that to the best of your ability mm-hmm. and going after that and... For me, I was in youth group, um, coming in, kind of started at the bottom of the pack and just kind of, all right, I'm going to go after God, uh, you know, and doing that is like what brought me up yeah. to the top. What do, what do you just put, put flesh on that? What do you mean by go after God? What did you do practically? Practically, um, I started reading my Bible. <laughs> I wasn't doing that before. Um, I didn't, I honestly... I kind of was in like a confused place. And so I was just like, well, I don't really know how to go after God, but I do know that people who go after God worship really hard, for example. So it was like, well, 
I'm just going to go after it. Mm. And so I was like, I'll go right to the front and just go nuts and dance and sing. And just doing, like, when I get, like, a holy hunch, just go after that really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, be wholehearted. That was just, yeah. So I, I hear part of what I hear you saying in that is take a risk. Mm-hmm. Step out, you know, mm-hmm. have, the, have the faith that you were talking about there, Michael. Um, so for me, again, in my house, one of the, one of the days came when I sat you down and I said, Hey, I'm sorry. Um, that was an important moment where I said, listen, I've, I've abdicated my role. I've been meant to be leading your mum, meant to be leading you. And that mm-hmm. changes today. Um, I'm shifting that to be, um, I'm stepping back into that role of being, the priest in my home of being the being the mm-hmm. one who is primarily there to disciple my family, um, and I began to say, right, let's walk, let's talk, let's let's talk about some of the issues in you. And there was that shift that began to happen there. Mm-hmm. T- just talk to us about that for a minute. What what would that feel like? What when you talk to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you called me out pretty hard. You said basically you're in rebellion, and I'd, I think I'd had a bunch of warning dreams. Was that the weekend before? Mm-hmm. Or, but I'd had a bunch of dreams and they were all about me being in rebellion, which was pretty tough. Um, and it was really hard to hear, but I started to like get it as you talked to me. I was like, oh dear, like I need to do something about this. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get undercover. I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. You told me to read Spiritual Authority. I read that and mm. changed my life, really. Mm. Choosing to submit in. Mm-hmm. See, submission again is another piece. I think that's part of where Adam went wrong yeah. in the garden. You know, he, he grasped for something mm-hmm. um, in, in taking that fruit and then he lost his significant role. Talk about Jesus for a minute, Michael, because he's the last Adam. The last Adam. We're about to come to Rosh Hashanah as, mm. we, as we enter this 10 days of prayer, um, which, which celebrates this creation of Adam and Eve. This re, this, it's kind of like this reset. It's us remembering yes. who we're supposed to be as man and woman. Talk, talk about that for a moment and Jesus as his role in that. Yeah, what Andrew was talking about is uh, September 18th sundown is Rosh Hashanah 2020. And it's a, it kicks off what is known as the 10 High Holy Days of Israel. And Rosh Hashanah is significant because... A lot of Jewish people in Israel believe this is the day when God made Adam in the garden. Mm. This is the actual day when he made Mm. Adam in the garden, which speaks so many things. But for right now, our conversation, it definitely speaks of alignment, uh, speaks of marriage. It speaks of authority um, that God did. Um, And then, of course, Jesus is the second Adam. You know, as you were just talking, Andy, something hit me. And I think, too, with Adam, I I think this is true for many guys is that they, they recognize, you recognize that you have a level of spiritual authority. You do, you recognize it. But either you don't know how to use it or we mishandle it. Mm-hmm. I think Adam mishandled it. Um, I mishandled it, especially when I first got married. I gotta share this story. When Amber and I first got married, we got in literally the most god-awful, drag-out, worst fight that a married couple can get in. I'm talking two weeks in. We were... I mean, it was bad. It was so bad. I got angry. We had a unity candle. You know, in, in the wedding, you, you take a unity candle, you light it, unified for all of life in this marriage covenant. I actually threw it down and broke it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was terrible. And um, <laughs> that whole argument, Amber and I were both walking away like, oh my Lord, did we make the right decision? Um, and after, you know, we walked through all of that, basically the whole root of it was this. 
I was a little different than you, and as you were explaining with Anwen, I was trying really hard to force Amber into prayer, into leading her, into to doing things. And basically, I had an expectation of her that I wanted her to fill. And, and she wasn't doing it according to how I thought it should be done. Mm-hmm. And so in my zeal, I was pushing her too hard to do that, to conform to that. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't work. So I got the greatest revelation I ever did in marriage, and that is... I am not ordained nor called to control my wife mm. or to change her. Mm. That's God's job, not mine. Yeah. And it was freeing for me. And so what I learned through all of that is I was mishandling my authority as a husband. I was mishandling my authority as a spiritual head by even trying to lead my wife too hard and force her too hard. So when God checked me, he said, I want you to model to her what this looks like. Yeah. And so what that looked like for me was I just began to really build and cultivate intimacy. That looked like praying in a room every morning consistently, going in my car to a parking lot. And then over time, I really believe that began to impact the rest of our house. Mm. We were talking before about um, the spirit of Elijah. Mm. And uh, Caleb had a dream in which we were rebuilding that altar um, together. And, you know, Elijah's that great man of God, you know, who who confronts the the powers. Talk to us about that for a moment because there's something significant mm-hmm. about the spirit of Elijah in this conversation. I'm about to get fired up right now. Come on. So spirit of Elijah, guys, the spirit of Elijah, God said in the last days, I will send the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children's hearts back to the fathers. Great language. What does that mean? What does it look like? Well, Elijah basically is a prophetic wind. It's a prophetic spirit that is God's going to resend on the earth and it's going to look like family unity. It's going to look like revival happening in the homes, not so much on the stages or the platforms. And in Elijah's day, what had happened was the men of Israel, because they were under such dominance of the misarrangement of Jezebel and Ahab's alignment as a marriage covenant, that funneled to the whole nation, right? As we know that because as leadership goes, so goes everybody underneath them, right? So now the whole households of Israel are in misalignment because their leaders are. And so God sends the spirit of Elijah. There's a, there's a tipping point, and that's at the altar at, the, at Mount Carmel at the showdown. And we know the story, Elijah calls fire down from heaven. God answers, and it says the nation now makes a decision. God is God, not Baal. We will serve him. And what that is speaking to me is that that was a turning point because ordinary men, ordinary fathers caught a revelation of how important it is for them to lead their homes. And they said, no longer are we going to waver back and forth. No longer are we going to let somebody else lead. No longer are we going to misuse our authority we are going to step into our rightful authority and lead our homes and lead them straight to God. Mm. I think that is essential in this conversation, just coming back Mm. to what are our primary covenants? So obviously first with the Lord Mm. and then with our wives and with our kids, because so often as orphans, we're we're running off to try and and, and make our way in the world or or be strong or be attractive in the world or things like that to try and earn a place, whereas the Father is inviting us into connection with Him and from that place of sonship mm. where we, we truly return to this is, this is the Adam that we're supposed to be. Yeah. What, what excited me about the, the breakfast that happened last Saturday here was that men stood up and said, in my home, this is what I'm going to do. 
It wasn't about let's go to a meeting and hope fire comes down. That's powerful. It was about let me go home Mm -hmm. and meet the one who is fire in my home and be revival in my home. Be the one who's connected to the father there, who sees my wife the way the father sees her, who sees my kids the way the father sees them mm. and who operates from that place. Um, and that's what I'm excited about right now. It's, it's men saying, hey, let's do that. Let's take that responsibility. Uh, we have a camp out coming up at Bridgeway yes. um, soon just to do this because we want to meet we want to meet the king. We, we want to be there as men saying, that's the primary thing we're after. So what does it look like to be a man of God? You know, a real man, yeah. a real man. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Mm. That word truth is the word reality. He, he came real yeah. as a real man to, to show, actually, I'm always going to depend on the Father. I'm always going to live with him. So thank you, folks, for joining us. It's uh, been great to be with you today, and um, we bless your homes. Caleb, why don't you just just pray over homes right now? Yeah, thank you, Father, for what you're doing at Bridgeway, and we just ask for more. Thank you for the spirit of Elijah that's coming, the spirit of fathering you're pouring out. Just pray that, that men would rise up and take their authority and lead their homes like you desire. Yeah. We love you, Father. Amen. 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 Bless you guys. Awesome to see you. Thanks for joining us on Coach and Joe, a YouTube talk show and podcast that helps you walk in genuine friendship with God. Check out coachandjoe.com for epic merch, weekly blogs, and ways to help keep us up and running. We'll see you next time on Coach and Joe.